Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey from the club's media team and I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton and special guest Don Shanks. Today we're going to be looking ahead to Ipswich Town this Saturday and Sheffield Wednesday the following Tuesday. Don, meanwhile, is too busy thinking about running a marathon to be worrying about anything else. Thanks for joining us. This is the Loftcast. Well, Andy, Don, great to have you both with us and Don... In particular, thanks very much for joining us. We, we know you're, you're running the New York Marathon in only a couple of weeks' time now. How's everything going? How's the training going? You're looking incredibly well. well can you tell the ladies that, please? <laughs> um, training's going all right. I'm sort of um, getting to the end of the, the heavy-duty stuff now, so it's a little bit sort of uh, easier going for me. But no, I'm feeling good. The legs are holding up. Everything seems fine at the moment, yeah. What's the most recent run you've done? How far was it? Um, I was meant to run sort of 20 sort of miles, 18 miles the weekend, but the weather was so bad, so I've done about 15. So 15 miles, I suppose. I'll, I'll be happy with that, yeah. Excellent. Have you, is that the, the most you've done in, in your training? I've done a sort of 18 miles one day. That was about sort of three, four weeks ago. It took me a few days to recover, a few yeah. pints, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stable diet. That's, yeah. that's what every uh, yeah. athlete needs. Oh, you do, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us... A lot of us know why you're running it, but tell us why you're, you're putting your 66-year-old body through a 26-mile marathon. Well, it all started when I went to the London Marathon, and um, a friend of mine's daughter was running, so I went along there to support her. And the actual event itself was, like, sort of tremendous, and, and you know, the competitors, you know, the support everybody got, and you just felt, well, this is a nice thing to do. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity to help stand out. And um, I thought to myself, well, I can do this, can generate some funds, and... Um, that's really what kick-started me. Why the New York Marathon? Why not the London Marathon that you were watching? Well, I think the um, thing was I, I wanted to do something sooner than later and, um, you know, both myself, I don't know what I'll be doing next April, you know, whether I'm in good shape or not, and Stan's condition is such that, uh, you know, he's deteriorating sort of quite quickly in regards, you know, his condition, and the family are sort of already at the point where they're thinking Christmas, New Year, get out of the way, and then Stan goes into sort of full-time care, you know, and, you know, you're talking 50 grand a year, and mm. when they're in full-time care, you know, they live three, four, five years, you know, yeah. and it's a lot of money, so I'd like to get it done, get it out of the way, and then I'll feel nice and relaxed, and, you know, and a happy person, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and three very worthwhile causes as well, obviously doing it for Stan Bowles, also doing it for Alzheimer's Society, and also doing it for the QPR Number 10 Foundation, so three very worthy causes that are going to benefit. Yeah, well, you know, the Number 10 Foundation, as you know, has been set up recently, and I think that's, you know, a great foundation. Um, I'd like people to support that due to the fact that, uh, you know, in the next two, three, four, five years, I might need some form of assistance at some point. You never know, you know, hip operations and stuff, you know. And it's really keeping people who've been QPR players, sort of keeping them back in the loop, you know, getting mm. them to come to games, making them feel part of the community. Because you miss that once you're finished as a footballer. You, know, you have the five, ten years where you go along and everybody's happy. Then you start drifting away and the phone calls sort of stop. And I suppose as players, you, you think it's going to last forever, do you? Well, you do because, you know, you just think, well, I played there. Then gradually, you know, you'll go to the grounds and they don't recognise you. You'll yeah. go places. Oh, is that Don or whatever? And, yeah. you know, it just it all takes its sort of toll. And when you get sort of 60s plus... It gets a bit worse. So I, I think like the number 10 foundation is really good and I'm more than happy to run for the guys, yeah. 
Great stuff. And the, the Forever Ours Club recently had Frank McClintock back. And, of course, you were back as well talking about this incredible marathon that you're going to do. How good was it meeting up with um, Frank and also Dave Thomas was there, Ron Abbott was there. It was great for all the guys to, to be back what, together uh, again, wasn't it? Oh, it's incredible, yeah. I mean, see Frank, I mean, you wouldn't believe he's 79, you know what I mean? He mm. just looks in incredible looks shape, good. you know, sharp as a razor. You know, as a player, Frank McClinton was iconic. You couldn't believe when Frank would come in training, he'd be hobbling around. He was looking like, you know, you okay, Frank? You think you've been hit by a car or something? <laughs> and, like, you know. and he'd start his training, and after 10, 15 minutes, this 35-year-old would just be right on the top of his game, you know? And then when it, as a player, you know, he's such a good leader, like, you know, and um, tough guy. And you never shirked any issues, you know, anything in the air. You know, you've got the six-foot-four forward against Frank today. You're thinking, I'd better get around the back of him. Maybe heading a few on. No, no, no. Frank had an incredible leap. He was a real competitor. And uh, as a person, he was a top-class guy, Frank. It was a pleasure to actually see him. I know that he'd been going through a little bit of difficult times, but, uh, you know, sort of family situations. And um, it was enormous for him to be here. Privileged to see him, yeah. And, of course, Dave Thomas with his little guide dog and, mm. you know, he, he, Dave is perfect gentleman and, uh, you know, for what Dave's going through, here's a person, he doesn't moan, he just mm. gets full on, he's right bright, you know, and uh, his he's enthusiasm, great with people. Just That's what I'm the, saying, it just, it rubs off on you. It's you incredible, know? isn't it? You, you feel guilty for moaning about having you a do. sore ankle when you see what Dave's going through and he's smiling and happy. And That's 100% right. He, he, he's an example for everybody. Incredible guy, Dave, yeah. How much are you enjoying the um, Forever Hours since obviously you're pivotal to its success and there's no doubt it has been a huge success. How much are you, are you enjoying the opportunity to, to bring the guys back and, and to meet up with them? Some are, of course, old teammates of yours as well. I think it's wonderful and it's been, you know, since its inception two years ago, you know, it's been, it's been incredible. It's been incredible what Don's just said, you know, when you, when you get the guys back and certainly three or four from the same team uh, and you see them, and they almost pick up as if they were in the dressing room, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know, they're, they're smiling, they're laughing, the stories flying around. You know, and sometimes I'm in and around it, but I just stand back and I, and I smile because I know, I know the importance of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Is that, as Don quite rightly said, it's that bringing the guys who've done great for our club have been big, big part of our club, and I don't think you should ever forget that. But making them feel uh, welcome again, making them feel appreciated again for what they did for the club because uh, they played their part in what the club is, uh, what it was, where it is now. Um, and as I say, should never forget that. But I love it, you know, all different eras. Um, but certainly when you get a group like that, you know, there was a lot of laughter um, taking place in the box as they were eating and telling stories and um, no, it's just fantastic to see Don's laughing now, you know, so some of the stories you probably couldn't repeat, but um, <laughs> that's wonderful and as I say, the, the Forever Eyes does that. I see guys, certainly the older guys, I see them when they walk up South Africa Road and they get stopped and they, they, the autograph hunters give them pictures, you can actually see them physically, physically grow again, yeah. uh, you know, just because, because all the guys, as Don mentioned again, you know, all the guys are going through various difficulties in their life and age can bring various sort of things and getting old sometimes can be not nice and lonely. Mm -hmm. So getting them back to Loftus Road and as I say, going back to making them feel welcome, making them feel special and basically publicly saying, you know what, we appreciate what you did for the club, 
thanks very much and have a great day. But it's not just limited to the one day. It's not just limited to that one game. I think Don's been here two or three times this season. You know, Mark Lazarus, we've had back Dave Thomas. You know, it's a wonderful thing for Dave to be able to or want to jump on a train from Darwin with his guide dog on his own. That in itself is a fantastic achievement yeah, for Dave Thomas. But, you know, we, he, he loves to be here. He's, he's such a nice guy. You know, uh, as you quite rightly say, he never moans about anything. And there's one guy that's got plenty to, to moan about, should he, should he want to. But um, he loves to be here. We love having him. But that's just Dave and Johnny Hollands and, you know, Ronnie Abbott, Don himself. But fantastic to see Frank. Frank, iconic figure, leader of men in a massive... I think one of the nice things, which from my side, was like, Generally, half time people run out for you know get the you know the drinks, the pies, sandwich, whatever. A lot of them stayed mm. to listen to Frank. Yeah, that's how important Frank McClintock was here. He he was really just a huge influence, yeah. and I think the fans had not seen Frank for a long, long time, and just his presence there and looking at his demeanour and look mm. at how smart he was, and he's just a true professional, yeah. Frank. And uh, uh, you know, from me looking, I was so impressed with with Frank, you know, it was great. And the fans, I think, really wanted to see him. Mm. And they actually listened to the interview. And it I was, was just really going to say that, it's evident, because we're out there the whole time when you're interviewing them, Paul, and you do a fantastic job with the guys. You can actually feel, and certainly hear's not the right word, but it actually goes really, really silent, and people are listening to the, you know, the answers of the questions that you're giving mm. them. So that itself shows you how important it is for the fans to see the heroes from yesteryear back at Loftus Road. And you talk about QPR being a community club, being a family club, and you can see when Don spoke before kickoff, the reaction the fans gave Don when he spoke about what he was doing, why he was doing it, and how important raising money for his mate is. The, the fans really sort of enjoyed seeing one looking after another, didn't they? Well, I'm not just saying them because he's sitting <coughs> across the table to me, you know, I think it's incredible what he's doing. I think we said on the podcast the last time the Lovecast the last time we did it, you know, if you go through life and you have a friend like Don is to Stan, uh, I think that is uh, fantastic. So so hats off for him to you know, sixty six putting them through putting himself through what he's gonna put I mean, himself you, you through. Hear, you hear people say I'd run through a brick wall for him. I think it'd be easier to run through a brick wall, <laughs> uh, Don, than what you I think doing. my my only hope we're getting out of this is someone kidnaps me. <laughs> <laughs> and drives you 25 it's, it's, and a half miles. My only, my only hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, got to run to Stan. I mean, you see him when I you know, went up five, six weeks ago and, uh, you know, he's he's battling every day, as I say, and he's, you know, he's sort of hanging in there. But, you know, you just know he's really struggling. So, you know, it gives me a bit of incentive to sort of say, right, hey, come on, I, I, you're going through that, I can go through that. And I'm going to, you know. Is that the drive, Don, when you get up in the morning and you've got to go and do your 10 mile, your 12 mile? Is, 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 is that the real drive? And how tough has the, or what's the hardest part of your training been? Is it getting yourself up in the morning because you're working, you're a no, busy no, man? No, get, no, getting up in the morning is not really sort of a problem for me. It's just really the uh, concentration of running distances. Like, you know, uh, you run around the park, or you run around Hyde Park, or you run wherever, whatever you do. Then at that point, it just gets monotonous, it gets boring, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. the one good thing about the New York thing, as in like the event itself, is you know, you run through five different boroughs and there's all something different in every one, you know, where you you know, you're going in sort of Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, all different yeah. and I think mentally that will really help me 
because I can run as long as I can sort of see things. But when mm -hmm. I've run around the park a few times, I'm bored stiff. And that's, yeah. that's been really the sort of difficult part of it, you know. And, um, you know, when you're running for, say, the causes, you know, like the old timers situation, the society and stuff, you know, it's important that people are aware of what this condition is. You know, there's lots of other footballers who've sort of got this and it's not going to stop. So unless the research is done and the research takes finance to get things sorted out, you know, they've got to do experiments, testing. You're talking about the brain here, you know what I mean? It's a bit delicate, you know, so I just feel it's such a good cause. And unfortunately, like for Stan, you know, Frank Worthington's of this world, it's not really about them in any form of recovery. It's about the new generations coming through. I see guys playing out here, Stan's a fit athlete. You know, mentally and physically. Now he's struck down to a point that he needs full-time help. Yeah. It could be a guy out here in 15, 20 years. Exactly. You don't know you got this until yeah. it's here. Yeah. And there's no. And this is the thing why people should support it because you just don't know. And believe me, I've seen it firsthand. You have no idea what it does to a family, and you have no idea what it does to the individual until you see it, and you don't want this. Yeah. So I, I would encourage people to say we want to put money in there. We want this finished. You don't want this in your home with anyone, believe me. I've seen it firsthand, it's horrible. Yeah, and there's no, what I was gonna say, there's no pecking order, there's no, no. Uh, occupation, it could be anyone, it could be, anyone. It could be someone you know. really, really I mean, close to you, it could be the guy you're sitting next ago, to in a stand. Mm, 20 anyone. years ago, if I give Stan a thousand pound, he goes, oh, unbelievable, and bum, 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 bum. If you give him a thousand pound now, he hasn't got a clue what it is. <laughs> he wouldn't know. He'd put it in the fire if a fire was on. It's just such a horrible condition that the way it takes you and the pressure it puts on the family and everybody is so, so difficult. So I would encourage people to, you know, chip in if they can, if they can afford it, because, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, it could be one of the guys out there now, and um, you don't want this coming around. So research, get a cure, get it out of the way, and it'd be a much happier world, I can assure you. <laughs>
Um, but it's just about the players individually and collectively finding that consistency and getting a run of results. Um, if you look at the league table, you know, I think there's five points separates 14 teams. Mm-hmm. You know, um, fifth place is on 19 points. We've got 14. You know, but vice versa, five points the other way, and you're where you definitely don't want to be. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's a challenge. The unsung heroes of the team, like in recent weeks, we've been talking about the impact of Naki Wells. We've been talking about Abire, Eze, Luke Freeman has been playing very well. Who are the unsung heroes in the team? First, in your opinion, since well, you look at someone I've been really impressed with since we brought him in. Uh, you know, wealth of experience, um, Angel Rangel. Um, you know, just goes about his business in a, a steady sort of way, very calm, uses his experience. Uh, so I think him, he's not gonna, he's not, he's not gonna take the headlights like Younger Berry or, or Naki or Luke, Luke Freeman when he dances around people and puts a great ball in. But you need those type of characters to not only perform well on a Saturday, but you know the youngsters will see him in training, the way he handles himself, the way he goes about his business. I'm sure, I don't know him, but I'm sure he's very low maintenance. You know, just gets in, gets his job done and does it really, really well. Um, listen, he doesn't play at the top where he's played for 11 years uh, without being having the ability, but I think there's more to him than that. So he's one for me. Young Joe Lumley has come yeah. in and taken his chance, you know, um, kept some clean sheets, but I think he's looked assured and confident. And um, so he's another one. Um, every, listen, every team has unsung heroes you're probably going to ask you know if you go back to Don's team there'll be people in his team Stan would have took the headlines Stan, yeah, Jerry, yeah. Dave Thomas you know but for them to well, enable we had, to... we had the Mickey Leaches who were like an unsung hero Mick yeah. was consistent all the time you know he he wasn't the most skillful player but all of a sudden who's crept up and scored a goal Mickey yeah. Leach 1-1-0 one, one, and like you never you know you got from Mickey Leach a consistent performance Every week, mm. and like uh, you know, he was always yeah. there. And How appreciated are those players within a dressing room? Like perhaps, like you say, it's the the Stan Bowleses that that grab the the headlines and grab the na- the the plaudits within the dressing room. How appreciated are those unsung heroes? Well, I mean, as footballers, you 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 know, you know, you're sort of there, and you know, you know that he hasn't got the best closest skill. You know, he isn't going to beat two people, but you know, when the war breaks out, he's the mm. first one there, <laughs> and you can rely on him. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you need. You know, not every game's at Loftus Road. You know, when yeah. you're on the road and you're getting pounded, and like you know, some of you know the top classy players, it's not their day. Yeah, you have to rely really on the grinders, and believe me, you appreciate it. Yeah, and from your era since. From my era, I would probably look at, I don't think he was an unsung hero, but he, he, he wasn't a match winner. But again, we spoke about Frank McClintock, you know, a leader of men, Alan MacDonald. Yeah. You know, you knew what you were getting from Macca, game in, game out, no matter who you played against. You knew, I used to sit in the dressing room, I used to look around my dressing room and think, you know what, if it gets tough today, who who's going to, well, Alan MacDonald was going to put his... Uh, you know, if we need something out of nothing, who's going to get that? Well, you look at Les. Who's going to dictate the tempo of the game here? You look at Ray Wilkins. But unsung heroes, you know, someone like Clyde Wilson. Mm. Clyde Wilson, again, similar to Angel Rangel, just went about his business in a quiet, sort of uncompromising way, but was a model of consistency. How he never played for England, I don't know. Well, I do know, because Stuart Pearce was yeah. sort of in his pomp and in his prime there. Um, but Clive, so I would say Clive was an unsung hero. Um, 
it's usually the people at the top end of the pitch, the flair, the creative, they're probably the most inconsistent, <laughs> and hence myself, but they're the ones that, um, you know, the, 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 the centre forwards, and that's why they go for the biggest money. They yeah. can get you something out of nothing. But as Don quite rightly says, you need those steady Eddie players, I call them, that'll give you seven, seven and a half out of ten, mm. week after week after week, and go unnoticed, but they're probably the key to the successful team of gelling it and gluing it all together. And also key to a successful team, and you've spoken about it previously a lot, is the, the consistency in the, the team that is picked. I mean, in the modern day, that it does seem squad rotation is more and more commonplace, but looking at the last couple of results, it was the same starting eleven that Stephen Farron used for both Reading and Derby. Um, how how big is that? I think it's quite big. I can only speak personally, but I know what I used to like as a player. I used to like that continuity. I, I used to like that um, understanding of playing, you know, in front of Clive Wilson for for uh, uh, mentioning Clive again. You know that understanding, building it and training it, and knowing almost telepathically on a Saturday what was going to happen in certain situations. Yeah, you make your mistakes, you get things wrong. But I, th I think it's huge. Um, but a manager will pick a side basically based on the, the players he's got. And sometimes results, performances affect your results and re results will determine that continuity, if you like. Mm. You can't keep the same team if you lost four in yeah. a row because yeah, something's yeah, yeah. blatantly yeah, not working. <laughs> so, And you'd be a fool and you get untold criticism if you do. So that's where so results, performances get your results and results normally take care of um, team selections. And it, you mentioned team selections there and Steve McLaren's got a, a couple of potential headaches. Jake Bidwell obviously came off um, with a shoulder injury against Derby County. Jordan Cousins came off during the second half with an ankle injury. Darnell Furlong is now close to return. He came through 45 minutes uh, against West Ham in a behind closed doors friendly last week um, without any issues. So he's making what seems a very successful return from the, the knee operation he had in the summer. So Potentially, there will be enforced changes if Jake Bidwell isn't available. Does he bring Darnell Furlong back? Is it too soon for Darnell? He's only played 45 minutes in the last three months, so perhaps it'll be too early for him. I imagine if you ask Darnell, he says, yeah, I'm ready, let's go, ready to play. So potentially, uh, looking ahead to Ips, which we will do in a moment, but potentially a couple of selection headaches for the manager. Yeah, felt a bit for, for Jake, you know, from, from what I gather, he's done a, a similar injury to what he had last season but on the other side you know but knowing Jake the the little I do but speaking to people he'll be doing everything he possibly can to get back ahead of schedule um, you know Jordan just through no fault of his own doesn't seem to be able to get a real run of games where we can really see but you know so don't know the extent of that but we're hoping he's back quickly and it will throw issues up because players are going out the side but what we saw against Derby Mention him again, Angel Rangel goes across to play left back and does it really, really well. So whether that's an option, but uh, and you mentioned young Darnell and getting his first 45. You know, we um, very sad when we heard about his his injury, but they got it done quickly. Uh, I know he's been doing everything possible and more to get back uh, on schedule or ahead of schedule. Whether it's too soon, possibly, you know. But if you if you leave it to Darnell, he'll say, yeah, get me in. But sometimes you've just got to balance that up with uh, common sense a little bit and just put the reins on. I think, to be honest with you, I think uh, the boss is in a healthy position. Mm. I think it's the first time all season we've got competition for places. 
and competition for places means you know the training grounds a lot you know more the tough goes up. place to be because yeah. it must have an impact if you're in the side and you pretty much know well, when you no know one you're the first your one picked every week and you're playing bad yeah or you're not playing up to your form if you like then like you know you just think well i'll just keep playing but now you know we brought two forwards in and you know they're both lively you know yeah. wells and hamid Hammer, whatever and you know you can see things happening so i think from sort of the boss's point of view, he'd be sitting there saying, well, I've got alternatives now, as opposed to six, eight weeks ago, well, what am I going to do here? Yeah, you look at the bench and it's far more experienced. Yeah, I think the bench, bench, you know, as fans, you know, you can watch him, we're going to bring a couple on here, whether it's Big Smithy there, like five, ten minutes to go, maybe get a header in or something, there's, there's alternatives. Mm. You've, huh? seen, you've seen three or four games this season, Don, what's... Um, yeah, what well, I think, you know, the Bristol City game, I felt we was unlucky, but I do feel in this league, scoring first is a massive plus. Mm. You know, there's a lot of teams down there who need a little bit of confidence and the scoring first gives them that little bit of confidence. But by far the derby game, whether it was the rain before the game, the pitch was a little bit lively, there was lots of tackles, you know, there was no hiding place, people were hitting. It was a furious game. It reminded me of games going back when we were playing, you know, <laughs> yeah. and um, I think the fans really enjoyed it. Yeah. And going a goal behind, you know, we really dug in and... You know, you could see we were going to get one. And Derby are a good side. You know, he's got them in a good place right now. They play good football. They'll be one of the better football teams in this league. You know, they punish you in the middle. You know, they go down the outside. They get plenty of whips. But we handled it all. And then, you know, talking about, you know, unsung heroes, I think Leicester. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy. He goes for every head. All right, the Derby game is a little bit of a confusion, him and so. Lynch or whatever it was. And, you know, that happens. But... Here's a guy who does his job every week. It's up there. He gets it on the ground. He gets it. Give him too much room. He will come out with it. And you they're don't forming think... a they're forming a decent partnership. Yeah. I feel yeah. here, Tony and uh, yeah, Joe Lynch. Yeah, I, I like it. And I think Rangel he he brings to the team a lot of enthusiasm, and a lot of the younger players must be looking at him saying, "Oh, he don't stop. You know, he's getting down there, and he's committed. You know, he's not worried about getting yellow cards. He'll hit a few people, and you can see, as Andy said, he hasn't played all that time in his life at the highest level because he can't play. He's a good player." You know, so I think from the fans, from my point of view, watching as a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm well pleased at the moment. Just, you know, we just pick it up a little notch and who knows what might happen. OK, well, let's look ahead to the upcoming games after a two-week break. Suddenly we're into a, a Saturday-Tuesday, um, starting with Saturday against Ipswich Town. Now, what do we expect from Ipswich? In their last fixture, at their 13th attempt this season, they won a game of football. And I think a lot of QBR fans are actually quite relieved they've got that win out of the way, rather than... Because everyone everyone's read that script before. This team hasn't won for 62 yeah. years. They're coming to Loftus Road. Everyone could see what's going to happen. But they, they beat Swansea, beat them 3-2. Um, so what do we expect from Ipswich? Is this a, a start of them turning the corner? Well, they'll probably think so. And going back to your point, yeah, you don't want to be the side that is the first team to get beat. So It bizarrely puts more pressure on the, the team they're playing if exactly. they haven't won, haven't won, haven't won. But on the flip side of that, they will have come away from Swansea with more belief. Uh, the players will be more confident. You know, the manager will be a lot more confident in you know, his team and the way he set them out. So it can work either way. Um, you've heard me say it before, you know, um, respective switch for who they are. But I'm convinced that if we are at it and we're somewhere near our best, we'll be good enough to get a positive result down at Portman Road. And when I say a positive result, a win. So uh, it'll be a tough game, you know. Um, 
I think their home form, I think they've only lost one at home, and that was against Middlesbrough. You know, um, so they're going to be quite hard to beat. I don't think they're going to be too expensive. Um, but, you know, like any game at, at this level, we've alluded to it time and time and time again. You know, uh, it's a tough league. And if you're not at it, and if we're not somewhere near our best, we might come unstuck. And Don, like you said, the first goal <coughs> is often so crucial. And you get the feeling that's certainly going to be the case this weekend. Obviously, Ipswich will be lifted and buoyed by that win at Swansea. And if they were to go one up at Portman Road, that would give the place a real lift, wouldn't it? And that make well, it yeah, very I difficult. mean, on the back of them winning 3-2, the fans will be up for it. The Ipswich yeah. fans will be thinking, well, we've turned the corner. <clears throat> you know, they're going to get on a bit of a roll now. You know, but we're ready for them. You know, they're two, we're two big clubs, Ipswich and QPR. You know, over the years, we've done, we've done a lot of stuff together in, you know, English football. And I feel that it's always been competitive matches when we play them. Sometimes if you're going to go and play someone who hasn't done so much, you might just have that sort of mental attitude, mm. well, this is going to be an easy game. There is no mental attitude at Ipswich. You know what you're going to go. It's going to be a full-on game. And as Andy says, if the boys are ready, you know, there's no fear of playing Ipswich. You know, we go in there that we know that we can get goals there. And to me, set out right. You know, it wouldn't bother me if we thought, well, you know, we'll attack this and see what we get here. Or if indeed we sort of played a few extra at the back and thought, well, you know, we'll go on counter-attacks or whatever it might be. But I don't feel that, you know, you're thinking you are going to get, you know, just obliterated or you're going to get overrun. There's none of that. I think we're going there quite confident. And I think, uh, to me, we've got a couple of goals in us at Ipswich. If that's enough to win, hopefully it would be. I can see us getting a couple of goals, yeah. That certainly do, wouldn't it? Uh, Paul Hurst is the manager there, replacing Mick McCarthy. Um, he's had a difficult start to life at championship level. You, you look at his CV as a manager, and <clears throat> he was with Grimsby for five years in what's now the <coughs> National League in the fifth tier, and then he spent two years with Shrewsbury in, in League One. It, it's a, a big leap, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big leap, but I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for someone like Paul, you know, because he's... He, he's He's done it the hard way, you know. Yeah. He's gone and done his time, if you like, in the lower leagues, and's been quite successful. And believe me, because I've done it, the lower leagues is uh, it's a tough level, you know. Because yeah. and he uh, has been successful at that level, getting into the, yeah, the playoffs think, four very or five so. times in his seven or eight years yeah. as a manager. You know, works hard from what I know of him, uh, forward thinking. But uh, and he did an incredible job at Grimsby. He's done an incredible mm. job at Shrewsbury. When you think he got them to the playoff final, yeah. I think they got their best finish for. 20 odd years you know under him so it's a it's a chance for him yes it's a step up um difficult job and sometimes i smile you know because uh, we're going to ipswich and they were moaning about the job mick mccarthy had done over a, a, a few sort of years you know but mick with not much budget had sort of kept them a mid table sort of place team that's changed now i think they're going down more the youth model which a lot of clubs are following yeah. so um yeah, it'll be a challenging time for Paul, but um, anyway, I hope he succeeds in 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 the role because he he, he has done his time. He's he, he's put his work in, deserves that opportunity. But let's hope he gets nothing on uh, hmm. on Saturday. Don, how does Steve McLaren approach this one at Ipswich this weekend? I think a lot of confidence generate a bit of confidence. Tell the boys, look, we're going out there. They've had a win last week, but we played a real strong game against Derby. Hmm. You know, we've got a good result at Reading, and um, to me. If we were going there, I'd, I'd be sort of saying, well, let's get at them, get an early goal and, um, you know, just keep going because it's all about confidence down in this level. You know, if things start early and the team gets on a roll, it is a little bit hard to stop them. You know, so I just feel that let's carry it to them and let's, you know, go for that early goal and then, like, um, 
just battle away and see where we go from there. But I would imagine that, like, um, you know, the players themselves, will, they'll be up for this game. And then we're straight on to Sheffield Wednesday after the game over at Ipswich. And Sheffield Wednesday, a team who are certainly on the rise. They made a, a poor start to the season. Stop me if it sounds familiar. They made a poor start to the season, but have certainly picked up. They're actually fourth from bottom in the table only a couple of months ago after they lost at Brentford. But in the last nine games, they've picked up 18 points, losing only once. So they really are on a hot streak. Yeah, as I say, as you said, they're on the rise. I think they took one point from the first three games, um, which for them, with a team, the squad they've got, probably not uh, not acceptable. That's you know, a mm. huge club. They've got some good players. But since then, 18 points from nine games. You know, I think they've won three out of the last four away games as well. So their away form is, uh, is quite good. They'll always bring a big following. So um, obviously we don't know the, the extent of what happens on Saturday. But as, yeah. as, as we speak, they're sixth. You know, they've got themselves in a really, really good position. So uh, here we go again. It's going to be another really, really tough game where we're going to have to be close to our best to, to get the result we want. And Don, the Sheffield Wednesday are another team who have gone with youth. They've gone with younger players. They've added a, a couple on loan late on. Again, stop me if it sounds familiar, but they brought in uh, Michael Hector from Chelsea and Josh Anoma from Spurs um, to add a bit of that extra ability, if, if you like, but they have got a lot of younger players as well. It does seem to almost become, this seems to be becoming the norm, apart from there's always going to be a few clubs who are spending big, but going to, to youth is what Ipswich have done, it's what we've done, it's what Sheffield Wednesday are doing as well. Well, I mean, that's fine going with youth, but you've got to have a bit of experience as well, but also mm. you get a lot of loan players. It takes some time to blend in. Yeah. You know, as we spoke about earlier, like when you play with a settled team, you know when you do your run that ball is coming in there and it's just getting used to how people play and it takes a little bit more of an extra touch when you don't know the new guy's coming in you've done that run it's not quite there all right it might be there in two or three games time and everything's fine but at that particular moment it isn't so from the young players yeah they've got a lot of energy we watched mount down here last week for yeah, for Derby, you know, another Chelsea boy, a lot of speed about him, direct, he's mm. going to be a good player, there's no doubt. And a lot of these teams in the sort of championship are getting players like that who are real quality players but just haven't had a chance at their club yet. Um, but again, they've got to put it all together and um, it's got to work. But I feel from our point of view, it's a home game. It's a chance for the fans to get behind us early because we know if we score a goal early, it's very hard to these clubs to come back and just go bang bang get a couple of goals you know the early goal is is vitally important for me especially the home games and um you know this place has got to become a fortress we've got to get teams to be worried coming down here not thinking they're coming down here and this is going to be a little easy afternoon mm. for us no that's got to stop we just got to say right we are getting on top of the game right away we're getting a good start and we just carry on from there. and that's what we did against derby right from the off and, and it carried, actually carried on from the approach against Reading, which Steve McLaren called for it after the defeat at Swansea. He wanted a reaction. He wanted a front foot approach from the opening whistle. And you, you notice that against Reading, certainly, and against Derby as well, real strong starts in both games. Well, the Derby game, which you know I, I see here, I, I was really impressed with the team and the commitment of the team. Yeah. And you could actually see goals coming. You know, you could see moves coming on. You thought, oh, this is real. You know, we, we, we looked more than good enough 
and we looked probably a little bit better than them, if I'm honest. And with a little bit of luck, we could have got an odd goal and ended up winning that game. Mm. You know, a lot of people might have thought a draw was a fair result, but there were two good football teams out there. Yeah. And the game was played at in intensive speed, and there was no hiding place there. There was loads of total commitment, yeah. tackles everywhere. You know, the people said the referee had a bad game. I've got to be honest, he probably had to make more decisions in that game than any referee I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was just happening all around all the time. But that's how intense the game was. And they weren't cheap shots. You know, these were like guys just not giving anyone else a yard. It was like, you know, an intense game. But I enjoyed the, the derby game. So I feel if we carry on, get a result at Ipswich and bounce straight down here against Sheffield Wednesday, start early, hopefully we can put a couple of good results on the board. Sheffield Wednesday have had no clean sheets in 14 attempts. We've had five in 15, which is a fairly decent return in terms of clean sheets, particularly, again, when you take into account how the season began. They've had none. They haven't had a single clean sheet all season. For them to be successful, that statistic needs to change, doesn't it? Well, it's a Naki Wells time, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you're looking at Sheffield Wednesday, that's quite remarkable. But maybe that... And, you know, I'm not here to talk about Sheffield Wednesday in great deal. I think the manager chops and changes quite a bit, you know, both in terms of uh, personnel and the way they play from a four to a five to a three. Um, and that's maybe why, because, you know, Dom being a defender, I think sometimes if you want to rotate your players, you can rotate the guys higher up the pitch. But I think it's vital for any team that their back four and your goalkeeper remains intact and get that understanding. So, so maybe that, talk about them not having a clean sheet... Let's hope we don't get one yeah, down here. So uh, a, a start like we did, I still remember the game here last year where we were three up after 15 minutes. They just could not cope with the energy. And if you look, for me, all our best performances and coincidentally our best results this year or this season have been when we've been on the front foot, we've got out the opposition, we haven't sat back and we've... You know, we'll play with a real intensity because, I'll say it again, I think we've got some, some good players uh, and it's just finding that way of getting the best out of but on the front foot, certainly here at Loftus Road, has to be the way forward. OK, well, it's only fitting that we end the podcast talking about the subject we spoke about at the start, and that's yourself, Don, and the, the marathon that you're going to be doing. When are you heading stateside to uh, acclimatise? I'm heading out this weekend, I'm flying into Tampa, Florida. I've got some friends there, I'll stay with them for 10 days and I'll just sort of finish off the training programme and uh, be ready to head to New York on the 1st of November for the event on the 4th. And while you're out there, you're hoping to catch up with a few familiar faces, aren't you? Well, one of my uh, schoolboy heroes was Sir Rodney Marsh. <laughs> um, hopefully meet up with Rodney, yeah, have a couple of drinks, have a chat about the, uh, the old days down here. Uh, Roy Wegley, Roy's a good friend of mine back... Uh, when he was at the Rowdies in sort of 84, that sort of time. What's he up to now? Well, Roy was a golf pro for a while. I don't know whether he's making any money on the circuit, but the last time (laughs) I see Roy was sort of in um, Derby Lane in St Pete, which is uh, basically a Greyhound stadium, and he was in the poker room playing poker. So maybe maybe he's a poker player now. But he seems to do all right, Roy. But I'm looking forward to seeing Roy. He's a good guy. The whole family, his whole family are a football family, and, and they're real nice people too. And Great. maybe even David Barsley, you know. Excellent. So you're so going to be busy while you're out Well, there. he's in Orlando, Dave. It's not far from where I am. So if I can sort of get in touch with him, I'll pop over and see him. He was a good fullback, Barsley. Reminded him myself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's good on the ball. He had a lot of speed and, like, you know, consistently played well. So <laughs> there you go. 
Um, and in terms of, of the run now, is there you, excitement, trepidation? Because it, you know, it's suddenly yeah, upon you. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, it is a little bit now. It's getting so close. You know, mm. there's 24 hours in a day, but it seems like about an hour in a day at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's flying by. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely flying by, yeah. You know, I'm sort of think I'm ready and I'm looking forward to going over there because then it's sort of a lot quieter for me. And as I say, my mind is a little bit overloaded with everything right now. Yeah. And I think once I get there, get on the beach with all them young ladies, <laughs> you know, uh, life will begin again. But um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for it. And I want to get on the diet over there, as in not the diet per se, but the Eating one the thing, right foods. yeah, whereas when I run the event, we start, I've been told, around about 10.30 in the morning. So you get up around about 5.30, 6, and then you go to Staten Island, which is the start of the marathon. Right. And you're hanging around there for about an hour, hour and a half. Mm. And I don't normally eat anything. I'm a cup of coffee man in the morning, and I have something to eat at night. But all the experts tell me you have to have some form yeah, of resistance. Yeah, you won't be able to do that on the fourth. So yeah. I've got the sort of, you know, maybe have the croissants or a couple of little bits and pieces that are going to give me a little bit slow burners, fast burners, whatever they call them. So that will be something I'll be working on in that sort of 10 days in Florida. Well, as you're doing it for Stan, what you could do in his name is just go to the bookies until 10 minutes before you've got to start running and then stroll out and smash it. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice, yeah. And maybe stay in the bookies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm looking forward to it. I am now. It's got past the point. I've done all I can do. The work's been done. Um, as I say, the club and you guys have been incredibly supportive, which has been greatly appreciated. And, you know, the fans have been incredible. And it's now about just going there and doing it. Great you stuff. Know. How can people donate? Because it's for three very worthy causes. We've spoken about them. How can people donate? Well, they can go to Don Shank's Facebook and they can see three links there. There's a link for Running for Stan, the Old Timer Society and the Number 10 Foundation. Yeah. If they feel they want to donate to the three, that's great. If they feel they've got a special one there, well, just go for whichever one they want to. But what I will say is they will be making a difference regardless of how much they put in or who they donate to. Yeah. Because the whole thing about this is it's nice for the money to go in, but just for all the awareness that we are creating is really, really good for this old-timer society, that people understand the condition, that they know this can happen to anyone at any time. And when it does, it can change your whole life, your family, everything goes terribly wrong. We don't want that to happen mm. in the future. For Stan, unfortunately, there's no reversal. But for other guys coming through in 10, yeah. 20 years' time, I can remember looking back when Stan was a tough, strong, physically, mentally, and now I see him now. So there's no hiding place for anyone. If this hits you and you go like Stan, you'll be praying that you'd have put some money in so the research can get to the point where they get the cure. That's what's required here. That's what my message is for people. 10, 20 years' time, it's not going away. We need it to stop. Well said, Don. And listen, from everyone here at QPR, very best of luck. We hope your trip goes successfully. We're sure it will, and it'd be great to catch up with you when you return and we can look back on what's been a very successful run. You won't recognise me when I come back about 20 stone. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the food afterwards, but, no, it was great. but not Thanks before. Thanks a lot, guys. Really Thanks for joining us, Don. Thank all the Good luck, fans. Don. They're incredible. Good luck. Best of luck. We'll be back next week on the Loftcast to reflect on those games against Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday and preview our Friday night game against Aston Villa. Thanks for listening to the Loftcast. Thank <laughs> you.